are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Today's reading is from Luke 1, 46-50, then 76-79. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Well, thanks, Megan, for reading scripture for us this morning. Really fun to see you at your work environment there in Inspire Studio. Some of you who know Megan know that she is passionate about physical fitness and spiritual health, and she brings these two together in such compelling ways. We're so grateful for Megan's leadership at the Y Church. Today we're going to bring together the final piece of our Advent message series as we finish here on the fourth Sunday of Advent. We've spent some time these past weeks looking at some of the what we've called major themes of this unforgettable year and then finding them in the Christmas story. We started with waiting as we are all waiting for this pandemic to end. And then in week two of Advent, we looked at fear under the biblical imperative, do not be afraid. Last week, we looked at the theme of division. It has been a long year of division. And now we finish up today by looking at mercy. This one of all four of those, I think, might be the most surprising to see on that list. Admittedly, I came up with the list, and so I could have got it wrong, but Even though the word might not be one that you find rolling off your tongue in everyday conversation, I think that mercy is at the heart of where we have been at for much of this year. Let me ask you the question, how would you define mercy? And the way we rephrased it in the table question, I think gives us a clue when we ask the kids, when is a time when you were in trouble and someone helped you out? I remember being, I don't know, maybe about 17 years old. I called my dad from the Burger King off of 94 in Woodbury because I had flipped and totaled my pickup truck in a snowstorm. Now, this is after I had busted the front axle on a previous car in a previous snowstorm when I whipped around the corner and was trying to impress some friends. You will not be surprised to know that after this second incident, I was relegated to a little yellow moped, which certainly did not impress my friends. But when you pick up the phone and you're in this situation, you have to call your dad or your mom because you have messed up. What you need is mercy. When you get yourself in a pickle, when you're stuck and you can't get out, you need mercy. And this year... We have needed mercy. At the top of my sermon notes this week, I wrote this sentence, which was really my prayer, my desire for us. 
that by the time we're done talking about mercy today, that this word would be one of the most precious words on your lips. That is my hope for us as we study this word in Scripture. Mercy is not something that we talk about a whole lot. I have never studied it so exclusively in Scripture like I did this week. And I feel like I've found a word that I've always known is there. You know, maybe like you, I, I grew up in church and been reading my Bible, and I always knew this word was there, but I never really paid that much attention to it. Kind of like your heartbeat, you know? It's always there, but you don't usually hear it. And so this week that was different. And today my desire for us is that we would truly hear what our hearts are really longing for and how that is met in God's mercy. As we've done each Sunday this Advent, we're going to start in the Christmas story. And so with your Bibles open in front of you, look at Luke 1 with me. And these two songs, we just read excerpts from them from Mary and Zechariah. Now, whenever the narrative of the Gospels stops and it just kind of parks and camps out on something for a while, that should catch our attention. We should pay attention. Luke has all kinds of ground to cover in his Gospel. And then, of course, he's going to write the book of Acts. So he's moving from one scene to the next. But when Mary visits Elizabeth, all of a sudden the narrative just stops and we hear Mary sing this song. Likewise, after John is born and he's given his name, the story just stops for a moment and we hear Zachariah sing a song. And so we should pay attention to this thing because Luke lets the action rest in both of these places because he wants us to see the significance of what has just happened. And as I looked at these two songs this week side by side, I saw the same word coming up again and again, and it's the word mercy. They're singing in these two songs about mercy. And like I said, I recognized something that sounded familiar, but I'd never thought about it a whole lot. And so I just want to invite you with me to look at mercy today. We're going to come back to Mary and Zachariah. What I'd like to do first here is look where this song really begins. 450 times the word mercy appears in the Bible. There's really seven different words in Hebrew and Greek that can all be translated as mercy. But where does it begin? That's what I'd like us to start with. You won't be surprised to see the beginnings of mercy are at the beginning of the Bible. Last week we told the story of Adam and Eve and their fall into sin. And it's in that context that we then find what I would call the first act of mercy. So you're not going to see the word, but it is on full display here. One of the things that we'll see is that mercy is not just a feeling in the Bible, but it is an action. You know, if I call my dad from Burger King and I've just wrecked the car, I'm not looking for him to pick up the phone and say, oh, that's too bad and hang it up again. No, I'm looking for him to come and get me. Dad, I'm I'm stuck. I need your help. I need a ride home. When Adam and Eve disobey God and all the consequences of sin come to bear, I want you to see here what God does when they leave the garden. This is in Genesis 3.21. It says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now, God didn't need to do that. 
he was under no obligation here. They could get their own clothes. You know, they were the ones who messed up and were now naked and ashamed and vulnerable to the elements. But God acts and he clothes them. And it doesn't say explicitly how this happened, how he made these clothes exactly. But it does say that they were made of skins. In other words, they were made of leather. And we just have to ask ourselves, where would the leather have come from, these animal skins? It would have come from one of his creatures that he then sacrifices to show mercy to his people. As for the first mention of mercy, the actual word appears for the first time a little bit later in Genesis. We don't have to look too much further. In Genesis 19, we have the story about the city of Sodom and this guy named Lot. Sodom is in a heap of trouble and the city is going to be destroyed, but God is going to rescue Lot. And so he sends a couple of angels to him and the angels tell him, Lot, you got to hurry, get your wife and your two daughters. You got to get out of the city before it's destroyed. And look at what it says in verse 16. When he hesitated, when Lot hesitated, the men, the angels, grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. It's the first time we see the word. And it's this first occurrence that I think tells us something so important, so fundamental about mercy, and that's this, that God is merciful. That is his very nature, to be merciful. That's his character. He is full of mercy. In fact, God says this then directly to Moses. That'll be our next stop in Scripture. Moses at this point, we're in Exodus 34. He has just smashed the first set of stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on them after the golden calf incident. And so God now gives Moses the new stone tablets and it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. What's the character of God? God says right here that he is merciful. Another great leader I think of who learned this was David. Maybe you're familiar with David's story. He started off as a shepherd boy. He's the one who kills the giant Goliath with a sling, and he grows up to be Israel's most famous king. He's described as a man after God's own heart. And yet, David found himself getting into a lot of trouble in his life, too. He made quite the mess on a couple of occasions. In one instance, he took a census of his army to basically test his own strength instead of trusting the Lord. And when David realized then his foolishness, he said, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. I have good news for you this year, and that is that God is more merciful than we are. Isn't that good news? David knew that if he was at the mercy of other people, he was in trouble. But if he was at the mercy of God, he was going to make it. It's David then who, throughout the book of Psalms, is writing so many of those songs inciting God's mercy. Psalm 25 comes to mind. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. 
and Psalm 51, when he's committed adultery and he's had Bathsheba's husband killed, David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. That's the thing about mercy. Do we deserve it? No. But God is merciful anyway. I wonder how you'd answer this question. What's the difference between grace and mercy? I was thinking about that this week. They're related for sure, and yet they're also different. And here's the way I might describe it. Grace is when you're a kid and you get a gift that you didn't earn. Mercy is when you get in trouble and you don't get the consequence that you deserve. You get help when you don't deserve it. When I was 19, I was working the fish docks of Alaska for a summer, and we'd work long, long days, 10, 12, 16-hour days sometimes, hauling hundreds of pounds of fish. And one day I was backing up the work truck with a whole load of fish. It was halibut. And I'm backing up into the loading zone, and there's this goofball who's parked his car right there. Of course, there's big signs that say no customer parking, you know, staff only, and yet this guy parks there. And so I'm irritated. I've been working all day, not much sleep. I'm irritated, and you know how you drive, maybe, if you're irritated. You drive a little faster, you hit the brakes a little bit harder. So I back my work truck right next to this guy, and I can see him back there. And I probably gave him a little bit of a look, too, honestly. But I hop out of the truck, and I unload all this fish, and then I'm going to go and take off again. Well, I forget that this guy's little car is parked really close to my truck. And so as I'm pulling out, I'm cranking the wheel to turn out and go get the next load of fish. And all I can hear is the metal-on-metal metal scraping of my big truck on the front corner of this guy's little car. Now, remember I told you he was out there kind of milling around. And this guy sees and hears this whole thing, and he just goes ballistic. I mean, I've hopped out of the truck to go check out the damage and figure out what we're going to do. And this guy is screaming and cussing and coming after me like he is going to body slam me. And that is when my boss, a guy named Bronco, so everybody who lives up in Alaska apparently has a nickname, Bronco steps in between this guy and me. And he lights into him, even though this is clearly my fault, but Bronco is coming to my defense. And at the same time that he's lighting into this guy, he's pulling out $100 bills from his pocket and he's paying this guy to go get his piece of junk car fixed. Those were Bronco's words about his car. But here I'm a 19-year-old kid. Bronco has me step away and eventually finds me on the backside of the building I'm overlooking the ocean, the harbor, 19-year-old kid crying, sniffling, maybe wanting to go home in that moment, see my mom. I've been worked to the bone, and Bronco puts his arm on my shoulder, and he says to me, it's going to be okay. Just let it go. I was shown mercy is what I experienced in that moment. I mean, I'd been careless. I was hasty. I'd been fired up. It was entirely my fault. I had messed up, and yet I was shown mercy. And that's the thing about 
mercy is that it is shown. It's demonstrated, just as Bronco did for me. That is so characteristic of mercy in the Bible. It's an action. All over the Bible, God doesn't just feel mercy for us. He shows his mercy to us. We see later in the Old Testament, Isaiah reflecting on this when he says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you mercy. Isaiah and the prophets, they held on to the promise of God's mercy. Jeremiah says in the book of Lamentations, lines maybe that you've heard before, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And keep in mind, Jeremiah, as he's writing this, Jerusalem is burning. The people are being hauled off to exile in Babylon, but God's mercy was new every morning. I don't want to overstate 2020 by comparison to Jeremiah's situation, but it's been a hard year. It has been a hard year in many different ways. And it won't be over come January 1st when we flip into 2021. The difference, though, for you and I, the difference in all of this situation that we have been in, the difference is that we know the one whose mercies never end. The one who came on Christmas. All of the prophets longing and looking into the future is finally fulfilled in Jesus. When Jesus comes, he is the greatest expression of God's mercy. Like the Christmas carol says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And that's what Mary and Zechariah have been waiting for. That's what they sang about. Zechariah says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. His mercy is tender. And so the future is bright. 2020 was hard But it hasn't been hopeless. The Lord has been merciful to us. And because he has shown us his mercy, we get to show mercy to others. That's what we see follow throughout scripture. Micah the prophet, just to name one more Old Testament passage. He says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Listen to this list. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We've been waiting for this year to be set right. We're waiting for the whole earth to be set right. But while we wait, God has shown us what to do, and it's to display who he is, to act justly, to love mercy, not just to like mercy, but to love it and to walk humbly with our God. The angel appeared to Mary and she sang, Oh, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And I wonder if Jesus, as a young boy, would sometimes hear his mother singing this. He would hear his mother singing of the Lord's mercy as he was growing up. It's then in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. 
Blessed are the merciful. Did you know the blessing of mercy is attached to being merciful? That's what Jesus says to us. And this is how serious God is about us showing his character to others. In Luke 6, Jesus says, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And then in Luke 10, he puts it into a story that is probably one of the best illustrations that Jesus says about mercy. It's a story we call the Good Samaritan. It's a parable. And in this scene, one of the religious leaders asks Jesus, Who's my neighbor? And what he's asking there is, you know, who is not my neighbor where my obligation to help somebody is no longer there. And so Jesus says to him, well, he says, there's a man who's on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on his way, he gets attacked and beaten up by a band of robbers. And they take all his stuff and they leave him half dead on the side of the road. Well, then a priest comes along, Jesus says, And everybody listening to this story is thinking, all right, surely help has come. But Jesus says, you know, the priest saw the man, but then passed by on the other side of the road. And then likewise, there's a Levite. The Levite, ordinarily you'd expect him to help, but he too sees the man on the side of the road and decides to pass by. And then Jesus says, the third guy comes along is a Samaritan. Everybody's thinking a despised, worthless Samaritan. Jesus says the Samaritan sees him, and listen to what it says in the text. And when he saw him, he had mercy on him. And remember, mercy is an action. So I want you to see all the action words now that follow. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Then the story goes on. Jesus says he paid the innkeeper and he said to him, I want you to look after him. And then if there's any extra expenses, when I come back, I'll reimburse you for all of those too. Jesus finishes the story. He looks at the religious leader and he says, who do you think was the neighbor to the man who got robbed? And the religious leader says, the one who had mercy on him. In the life of of a Christian, mercy is an essential quality. And the world should see this in the church. Otherwise, what are we doing? This is our story. This is the gospel. The Apostle Paul said, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in transgressions. I love that we live someplace where we have a hospital nearby that's called Mercy. It is such a fitting name. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Mercy is the difference between life and death. In spiritual terms, that's what happens. You think back to that trailer that we watched during announcements this morning from The Chosen, a little Y group preview. And in the closing scene, Mary Magdalene says, I was one way and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. It was mercy. 
summed up so beautifully in Titus. Titus is not a book of the Bible we read very often, but do you know this verse, Titus 3, 4? But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. I was thinking this week about the way that two different wars came to an end in two very different ways. Many historians look at the end of World War I and the Treaty of Versailles as setting up World War II. And here's what they mean. Germany was forced in the Treaty of Versailles to sign Article 231, which became known as the War Guilt Clause. All right? So even the name does, does not sound good. And what it meant was that the Germans and their allies had to accept responsibility for all losses and damages that occurred during the war. It also meant they had to disarm, they had to concede territory, and they had to pay enormous reparations to multiple countries. In today's money, they calculate it would have been something like 442 billion U.S. dollars that they had to pay. And even economists at that time started to sound the alarm. And there was one diplomat who called this a Carthaginian peace. And what he meant by that was this is a brutal form of peace that is really only accomplished by crushing the enemy. And in the end, the Germans suffered so much under the Treaty of Versailles that it fueled resentment and the rise of the Nazi party. I want you to contrast that to the end of the Civil War. There was no single moment in the Civil War where everything came to an end, but probably the most important surrender was the one at Appomattox Courthouse. And that's the scene where you had Ulysses S. Grant and Robert E. Lee meeting and Grant providing favorable terms of surrender. The Confederate soldiers, for instance, would not be held, but they were free to go home. Furthermore, they could keep both their swords and their horses as long as they laid down their arms and abided by federal law. Grant even supplied them with food because the Confederate rations were so low, and so he gave them food for the journey. Then in the formal collection of weapons that was carried out, when all the Confederate soldiers had to come forward and give up their firearms, the Union men were ordered to stand at attention and salute their adversaries as a sign of respect. Isn't that amazing? It was said that day that men on both sides cried and cheered together. I think the difference between Versailles and Appomattox was mercy. So here we are, waiting for mercy at the end of 2020. And right on time, God sends us Christmas. The greatest act of mercy ever was our salvation in Christ. We were stuck, we were helpless, and in a mess beyond fixing. But God, who is rich in mercy, came for us. Not just to be born as a baby, but then to give himself up for us on the cross. To die for our sin so that we could be forgiven and have everlasting life in him. You know, there's one requirement for mercy, and that is you have to receive it. You have to receive him. 
That's it. Isaac Watts said it right when he wrote, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive its king. And now listen how personal it gets. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. What have you been learning to sing this year? What have you been learning about mercy? Have you felt it in your bones? Like maybe you never knew exactly what it was, but you have been crying out for mercy? One final story to finish. Some of you know I had a a little surgery a couple weeks ago. Um, Many of you were so kind to, to check in and see how I was doing. It was just a routine deal for the most part. Nothing major, but it was an abdominal surgery. So, you know, you got a few holes in you and I was laid up for a little bit at home recovering. And the recovery went well for the most part. But there were a couple times when I had an experience that I've never had before. And that was a level of pain and nausea that were so bad that all I could do was three things. Cry out the name of Jesus cry out the word mercy and hold my wife's hand. I realize I'm probably telling you more than you needed to know, but I'd never been in that spot before where I knew just how badly I needed his mercy. And the word has never been so sweet on my lips. Some of you know that much better than I. But here we all are waiting on the mercy of God. And I want you to know, I want each of you to know that you can call on his name. You can call on his mercy. And he will always come. He will always satisfy. Now in the words of Jude, may you keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Well, let's turn to the Lord now in prayer together. Oh, Father, how grateful we are that you are a merciful God, that you come for us, Lord, when we are stuck and helpless and in a mess beyond fixing. Thank you, Lord, that you came for us at Christmas, that you came for us all the way to the cross, and you have secured mercy and forgiveness for us in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for that gift, for the passing of judgment over us, and for full forgiveness in Christ. We don't deserve it, Lord. We're like the blind beggar who called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Lord, you've heard our cries. You hear them even now. And you come. You come to us. And you satisfy us with your love. We praise your name this Christmas, Lord. May your praise always be on our lips. And Lord, we thank you that you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.